Good morning, church family. And as the Bible tells us, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, although we are still not at the point of going into the house, you can still sit in your house and hear a word from the Lord. I'm excited to preach here before you this Sunday morning. I'm excited to give you the word that is on my heart. I just want to do a special thanks to our media team as we've just come out of uh, Black History Month in the month of February, with this being the first month, uh, first Sunday in the month of March. Uh, we had an excellent Black History moment every Sunday that was just beautifully done. I mean, as I sat back and I watched those Black History moments, I was inspired just to see how Sister Goodlett and Kellen, how they came together and brought the, brought, brought, put those images behind the people that came up and spoke. I mean, that was beautiful. I'm so, I'm so proud of our church just to see how far we've come in a year's time. So I, I thank my media team. want to give them accolades and Kool-Aids Kool and all, all the different aids for all that great stuff because it looked wonderful. And it's important that we empower ourselves with black history. And it's important that we do not confine black history to February and to Black History Month. But we're reminded that every day, every day you have breath, every day you wake up, you're making black history. Amen and amen. Nonetheless, there's a word from the Lord and it comes from John chapter 14, verse 6. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. And the Bible says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know that's a short passage of scripture, but I want to read it one more time just in case we missed it. It says, Jesus said, to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Brothers and sisters, I needed to sit down for this one, so I got my stool. Because I have entitled this sermon, Secrets. Secrets. Brothers and sisters, the worst lies are the ones we tell ourselves and have the nerve to believe. That's a hell of a lie. I said, that's a hell of a lie because it starts off as perceived truth to encourage you to overcome an obstacle. You see, it's a hell of a lie because you feed yourself the narrative that I don't need anybody, I can do it by myself. That speaks to loneliness. It's a hell of a lie because it speaks to the fact of when you're going through that space in your mind where you try to tell yourself, it's okay, I'm all right, I'll be fine. I, I, I can make it through this. It, it, you're just trying to cope. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a hell of a lie because you'll tell yourself, if I just keep sticking through it, I'll just stay, it'll work itself out. It's a hell of a lie because you begin to start telling yourself, it's, it's me, it's, it's something wrong with me. If I just fix me, 
maybe it'll be okay. That's called self-inflicted pain, brothers and sisters. It's a hell of a lie when you start telling yourself that it's everyone else's fault. When you start telling yourself that it can't be me, it's, it, it's you, it's, it, 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 and you start playing the blame game, brothers and sisters. That's a hell of a lie. You see, I'm calling it such because it's a hell of a lie when we use or when we lie to use or to manage our issues that never free us, but over time reinforces trauma, oppression, and pain. I said, it's a hell of a lie we use to manage our issues that never free us, but over time reinforces trauma, oppression, and pain. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to wait for God's impeding judgment to go to hell. You see, it's a reality that some of us face from day to day. You see, you're living in hell when you're trying to take on the weight of the world for yourself and your family. You're living in hell when you're dealing with physical, mental, and spiritual abuse. You're living in hell when you feel isolated because everyone is against you and you can't trust anyone. You're living in hell when you're blaming yourself for other people doing you wrong. You see, the lies we tell ourselves often become our truth, which becomes a part of our identity, laying the foundation for our personal hell. You see, the hell we harbor and learn to cope with becomes our secret. I said, the hell we harbor and learn to cope with over time becomes our secrets. Becomes our secrets because you learn how to put on a smiling face to the world but cry in the dark. You learn how to mask all that you're going through to cope with so people don't have to constantly ask you what you're dealing with. You learn how to cope with those things. By putting on the mask, putting on the smile, but it's a hell of a lie. You see, if the lie is the foundation, then the secret is the structure in which we house the hell in which we live. So brothers and sisters, I must ask you a question. Are you tired of living in hell? Mm -hmm. Are you tired of believing the lies? Do you want to have life and have it more abundantly? Brothers and sisters, the answer is simple, but the process is hard. You see, the answer is through Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
You see, you can find freedom in Jesus. You can find truth through Jesus. Jesus will show you the way. John chapter 6 verse 14 tells us that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through me. Brothers and sisters, you can bring your heavenly father the hell and the secrets you've been harboring. And he will give you rest and a better quality of life. You see, the book of John is a gospel. And as you all know, the word gospel means good news. And as we've talked about in Bible study, that word good news, as it pertained to the gospel, was supposed to be interpreted as good news that was brought during battle. So that when a, a, a warring country or, or a warring group of people had won, they would bring the good tidings, the gospel, good news of the victory of the winning country. And they would bring it back to the people and give them the gospel, which was the good tidings of the fact that, that, that their country or their group or their tribe had won. And brothers and sisters, as we look at our lives and we look at this spiritual warfare we're in, we're reminded that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the evil ones, against the spiritual forces. Some translations say in the high places and other translations say in the heavenly places. And brothers and sisters, we are reminded that we're always in a battle spiritually. We're always in a battle fighting. And this gospel good news gives you the resources, gives you the tools, gives you the armor to be ready for war. So that you can have the tidings of a victory of believing in your Savior. Brothers and sisters, the, the book of John or in the gospel of John, the author is technically unknown. We try to attribute it to different authors, such as John the Baptist. We try to attribute it to different authors, but brothers and sisters, realistically, scholars don't know exactly who's written the book of John. But regardless of what they do not know, brothers and sisters, the evidence of the truth of John is still clear. That Jesus is still the way. That Jesus is still the truth. That Jesus is still the life. And the way you have life and have that more abundantly is through taking the high road, which is through our Savior, Jesus Christ. The way you free yourself from hell on earth is through following the way of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, John got, John's gospel was written for one purpose. And that's made evident to us in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written, talking about all the miracles, talking about all the things and all of the things that Jesus taught and miracles he performed. It said, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Come on, somebody. 
John's gospel was written so that you may believe in the heavenly father. John's gospel was written giving an account of the mission, giving an account of the ministry of Jesus all the way to the cross, his death and his resurrection. As the text says, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. And brothers and sisters, you are not having life if you're still living in hell. You're not having life if you're believing the lies you tell yourself to cope with this reality, to cope with the hardship of what goes on from day to day. Brothers and sisters, the only way to have life is through belief in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, they talk about this concept called the way. The text says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. Let's stop right there. We, we were just going to hang out in the text right there on the way. And brothers and sisters, before there was Christianity, there was the way. Yes, Sister Cooley, I'm coming down your street and I'm giving you a little lesson speaking to you. I know you like the way, so here it goes, the way. You see, during this time period where this term became popular, Jews were looking for a Messiah. They were looking for someone to save and restore them from the Roman Empire. You see, the Jewish community were now vassals. The term is, that's the technical term, meaning they were a culture living within a culture. They were a culture within a city-state of the Roman Empire, meaning they did not have the ability to govern themselves. They were not like they once were in their glory days under King David when they were under the Davidic Empire. Now they are under Roman rule. And since they are under Roman rule, they must pay Roman taxes. They must live among unchurched and pagan people worshiping other gods. And they're trying to figure out how to stay unified, how to stay in right relationship with God in the midst of being in a pagan and hellish society. Brothers and sisters, they expected Jesus to lead a rebellion to bring them back to the glory days of King David. To bring them back to a time when they had favor. That's why in the beginning of Matthew, the text starts off with the lineage of Jesus. Showing that he comes through the generation coming and dating back toward King David. And brothers and sisters, they're trying to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Coming from Davidic dynasty. That this is the Savior. And the Jews want to hear this because they've been waiting on someone to free them from their hell. They're expecting Jesus to not only lead a rebellion, but to be like a general in war and bring up an army and fight this empire and overthrow it so that they can be restored back to the glory days. You see, right now, the Jews in the text are in an unwanted relationship with the Roman Empire. You see, the Jews in the text, 
are in this relationship that takes advantage of them. The Jews in the text, they have been trying to hold on and push through, but they're tired. The Jews in the text, they feel isolated like everyone is against them. The Jews in the text are very similar to you in your distress. Yes, brothers and sisters, this concept of living in hell isn't new to us today. But people have been experiencing hell on earth for generation and generation and generation. But brothers and sisters, they give us the answer. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the answer. And brothers and sisters, Jesus tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through me. John's gospel describes Jesus as the way. God, John's gospel describes Jesus as the medium to salvation to our Heavenly Father. This is where the term the way is introduced, which becomes the foundation for Christianity. You see, before we were Christians, brothers and sisters, this aspect of the way came into play because Jews had the traditions dating back from the Torah in which they followed to receive salvation. However, with Jesus coming on the scene, there was a new understanding of how to receive salvation through belief in him. That's why, brothers and sisters, John 3.16 reminds us through his very common text that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the foundation and the concept of the way that yes, you may have had the old traditions in Judeo law, but this new way is a way to salvation through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, they realize that yes, the old traditions and foundations of the Torah had worked in the past, but Jesus had come as a redeemer to save the people. And this is the new way that Judaism is turning. And over time, it shifts from this being a new way or just a sect of Judaism to becoming Christianity. Brothers and sisters, this led to a new understanding of salvation through Jesus Christ in Judaism. To this day, you still have some Jews that do not, or really most Jews do not declare Jesus as the Son of God. But there are Messianic Jews that do believe as such. But brothers and sisters, the way we came about as Christians and the reason why Christ's name is in the beginning of our name as Christians is, is because we believe that it is through Christ we receive salvation. We believe that it is through Christ we are saved from hell. And brothers and sisters, I came to let you know this Sunday that you're not only saved from an eschatological hell, 
That means in hell, a hell that you go to after you die, you're also saved from a hell on earth. Through belief and through living a righteous life according to our Lord and Savior. Brothers and sisters, this concept of the way is found in the book of Acts. And most Jews were chastised for this new belief, were chastised for going this new direction in religion. But brothers and sisters, the Bible reminds us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John's gospel is teaching us that the way out of oppression, the way out of hell, and the way to salvation, meaning freedom, the way to liberation, meaning freedom, is through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, when you don't know the way, you are lost. When you don't know Jesus, you are lost. As I've told you all before, when I drive and when I put directions in my GPS, if I'm going to a place that I kind of have an idea of where I think I may be going, I oftentimes find myself shifting from using the GPS to using my own personal knowledge of where I'm going. And oftentimes the time period that's on the GPS that might say it'll only take you 15 or 20 minutes to get to your destination, because I go my own route and start relying on my internal GPS, I oftentimes add five to 10 minutes to the commute. And brothers and sisters, I told you that happens time and time again wherever I stop going the way that the GPS tells and I start going my own way. And, and, and brothers and sisters, I submit to you on this Sunday morning that some of us are living in hell because we keep going our own way instead of going Christ's way. We keep doing our own thing instead of doing the godly thing. We keep trying to rely on our own understanding instead of leaning not on our own understanding and trusting in him. Brothers and sisters, as long as you try to use your own GPS and not use the direction or go the way of the Father, brothers and sisters, you will be lost. You see, the wrong way is blaming yourself for others' failures. The, the wrong way is thinking it's you and not admitting it's them. The wrong way is remaining in situations and places God did not intend for you. The wrong way is trying to make it work when God says it's beyond repair. That's the wrong way. You see, brothers and sisters, you can bring your heavenly father, the hell and the secrets you've been harboring, and he will give you rest and better quality of life. Just in case you forgot, Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So brothers and sisters, let me tell you a secret. 
I hope you're listening closely. I, 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 I've been waiting the whole time I've been preaching just to tell you this one point. Let me tell you a secret, brothers and sisters, about this passage of scripture. Let me tell you a secret that will hopefully free you from your personal hell. Let me tell you a secret that you can use to help get you through hardships and hard times. That secret has a simple answer, but a very difficult process. That secret is understanding that Jesus is the way. That secret is understanding that the concept of the way isn't about words, but it's about action. It's about action because what the way truly signifies and symbolizes is that the way is through emulating Jesus's mindset, through emulating Jesus's character, through emulating how Jesus interpreted this reality in which he lived. And you'll realize through doing things Jesus's way, you will find your own way. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus dealt with the root of people's problems before healing them. Ah, uh, Pastor, what are you talking about? I, I want you to see this. I spoke about it last Sunday when I talked about how he healed the blind men. Brothers and sisters, everybody came to Jesus with their problems. And Jesus spent his life valuing people more than valuing people's perception of him. Hmm? You hear that? You might want to write that down. I said, Jesus spent his life valuing people more than valuing people's perception of him. Oh, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? Well, I'm glad you asked. What that means is you won't be caught up in a situation where you're trying to make something work that you know isn't supposed to work and that you know isn't for you if you're not seeking validation from a specific person, from a specific situation. You won't hold yourself hostage to people, to jobs, to situations because you're not looking for validation from them. You'll immediately let Folks go that aren't right for you. You'll immediately let jobs go that are getting in your way of progressing forward or doing what you need to do or doing what God has called you to do. If you're not looking for external validation. Brothers and sisters, in so many ways, shape, form, and fashion, we find ourselves looking for external validation through love, through assurance, through friendships, through people, through things. And brothers and sisters, if we have a paradigm shift, if we change our mindset and stop looking for external validation from people, things, and situations, and jobs, and start seeking that validation in an identity in Christ, you'll realize your life will go a different way. You'll realize you'll be redirected out of a path going straight to hell or out of a house dwelling in hell and move to higher ground to a state of peace. 
brothers and sisters, before Jesus did any miracles, he validated people's humanity. Like I told you last weekend, he validated the humanity of the blind men. As I've told you before in a previous sermon, before he healed or before he ministered to the woman at the well, he valued, validated her as a person. Brothers and sisters, before the woman came to him and was healed with the issue with blood, he validated her through making time to just talk to her. But brothers and sisters, the secret here that we miss is that before the people were healed, before Jesus even validates them, the people come to him with truth. I said the people come to him with truth. Brothers and sisters, before anyone was healed, they revealed to Jesus the truth of their secrets, the truth behind their lives, the truth behind their affliction, the truth behind what they were dealing with. Whereas the woman with the issue of blood had to hide around like a leper, had to crawl. Keep in mind, if she's touching the hem of his garment, she's on the ground crawling because she just can't walk upright with the men and people of the era. She's having to be secluded and hide herself. Brothers and sisters, the reason why the woman is going to the well in the first place at the, in the middle of the day is because she's hiding from the people of the community because they know the life she's lived. And brothers and sisters, what we realize is that people come and encounter Jesus where they are and with the truth of who they are and with the truth of what they're dealing with. And what I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, just like the lady at the well said, God is a spirit. Matter of fact, she didn't say this. Jesus had to say this to her. God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That means you can't come to God with lies. That means you can't come to God with half-truths about what you're dealing with. That means you can't play games with God like you play games with people in the world. Like you play games on your job. Like you play games with your family. Like you play games with so many other facets of your life. Like you play games with yourself. By lying to yourself and believing the lie to cope with your reality. Can't play those games with God. Because as I always say, as it reminds us in the book of Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, I predestined you. Hello? He already knows before you know. He already knows before you knew. He already knows before you were even born. And just because you've been lying to yourself about your predicament and your situation, and you've gotten to a point where you almost don't even know how to tell yourself the truth, let alone God the truth. Doesn't mean that you should wallow and stay in that place. Brothers and sisters, God is a spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't come to God with lies and expect healing. Brothers and sisters, 
Jesus in the text says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we can't expect to have quality of life without the responsibility of personal truth. Mm -hmm. Hello. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us the enemy comes like a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But our Savior comes that we may have life and have it more abundantly. John 8.32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And brothers and sisters, John chapter 14, verse 6, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes through the Father except through me. Brothers and sisters, you'll notice in those scriptures, there's a correlation between truth and having quality of life. There's a correlation between truth and receiving salvation. That the only way to be freed from what you're dealing with is not through trying to handle it on your own, not through trying to cope with it on your own, but through the honest truth of letting know or letting our Heavenly Father know what you're dealing with. Brothers and sisters, going back to the I am part of the text. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that I am should strike your spirit. That I am should strike your soul. That I am should sound familiar because that I am echoes through time and takes us back all the way to Exodus chapter 3 when Moses is at the burning bush and Moses is filled with insecurity. Moses is feeling like he can't do what God has called him to do and God has told him in the burning bush that I'm going to send you back to Pharaoh. I'm going to send you back to free the Hebrew Israelites. And Moses' response is, well, what if they don't believe me? And who will I say sent me? And God responds in this burning bush, I am that I am. That I am speaks through the time continuum. That I am speaks through the Old Testament and echoes into the New Testament. That I am statement is the strongest statement in the human language. And that I am statement speaks to the fact that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is all that we need. That our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is echoing the voice of God in Exodus 3 by saying, I am all you need. I am the only way. I am your validation. I am the strength you need to remove yourself from a dead situation. I am the strength you need so that you don't feel alone. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Brothers and sisters, the prophet Tupac Shakur said, heaven ain't hard to find. All you have to do is look. That's a testament to the fact that the same way we can experience heaven on earth, I'm sorry, the same way we can experience hell on earth, 
we should also be able to experience some aspect of heaven on earth. Brothers and sisters, the same way we can go through hell from day to day, we should always be seeking some aspect of heaven from day to day. That's righteous heaven, not just a feel-good heaven, not just something that temporarily pacifies us, but looking for heaven on earth. Brothers and sisters, in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us the kingdom of heaven is within man. Brothers and sisters, we're reminded that this aspect of heaven is also a mindset. When I was in seminary at Candler School of Theology on the campus of Emory University, I went to a seminar and it was held by activist attorney Brian Stevenson and he wrote a book called Just Mercy and he does cases or takes on cases of inmates that have been sentenced to death row and are waiting to be executed by the state and he does work in which he goes out and finds these cases and checks to see if people have been wrongfully convicted then all, does all he can to free them. And brothers and sisters, he took on a case of a brother named Anthony Hinton. And Anthony Hinton is an American activist, writer, and author. But he was wrongfully, wrongfully convicted in 1985 for the murders of two fast food restaurant managers in Birmingham, Alabama. And brothers and sisters, during this time, during this day and age, people could, or I should say, black people could be rounded up for crimes that they didn't commit just because they may look like a suspect or just because somebody may make up a lie and say, oh, I, I don't know who did it. It was somebody tall and black with a beard or something like that. And, and, and brothers and sisters, at this time, because of where we were with race relations, and we've always, and some people can argue to this day, we're still in this state, same state as it comes and pertains to police brutality. The police will go and look for a black man that just fit the description and whether or not he did the crime, they would take him in and lock him up. And brothers and sisters, this brother Anthony Hinton was at this seminar and he talked about the experience of being at home and being taken from home just because he was a black man that kind of fit the description of the person that killed these two restaurant workers and he was locked up for 28 years on death row. And brothers and sisters, Anthony Hinton was living in hell. But what struck me at this seminar, brothers and sisters, is that Anthony Hinton talked about, although he was living in hell, although he was experiencing hell from day to day, living with the reality that he was being convicted of a crime that he knew he did not do, and he was serving a sentence for time that he could never get back. He talked about how he began to sit in that jail cell and elevate his mind past his situation. And he talked about how some days he would go into this state of mind and have conversations with famous people. He said sometimes he would have a tea party with the queen at Beckingham Palace 
Sometimes he would have dinner with his family. Sometimes he would do all kind of things, eat all kind of food that he wished he had been able to eat, do things that he wished he had been able to do prior to getting locked up. He would elevate his mind past his physical situation so that he could have some level of freedom. And brothers and sisters, he was able to find heaven in the midst of hell through altering his mindset. And brothers and sisters, although it's not Black History Month, this reminds me of something Marcus Garvey said. He said, we must emancipate our minds. He said, while others may free the potty, only we can free our minds. And brothers and sisters, while we may free our minds, only our Heavenly Father can free our spirits. And I want to leave you with this. If you missed the message, if you fell asleep, if you went to the, the kitchen to get something to eat, the message for today, the secret in the midst for, of you getting out of hell is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to get through the Father is through Him. And brothers and sisters, if you want to be free from hell, if you want to find heaven in the midst of hell, be honest with your heavenly Father. Be truthful with what you're dealing with. Stop lying to yourself in order to save face in front of others. And give your life, your soul, your heart and mind daily to our Lord and Savior. At this time, if there's anybody that is struggling with this life, that's tired of living in hell, that wants a better quality of life, I submit to you that the answer is through our Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ. I submit to you that you can have that relationship. You don't have to go to anyone or anything or any substance to find comfort. You can find it in Him. And I pray that if you're on the other side of the screen looking for a relationship with him, at this very moment, you will find it through saying to God, I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of lying. And I give my life to you. The easy part is confessing with your mouth. The hard part is believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And I pray that each and every one of you, even those of us that label ourselves as Christians, continue to reinforce the mindset that Jesus is Lord over our lives. Brothers and sisters, the answer is simple, but the process is hard. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I pray this blesses you, and I pray you have a great week. Amen, and God bless you.